UX Podcast Episode 143. Hello to you. This is UX Podcast, hosted by me, James Roy Lawson. And me, Pat Axbom. And we're balancing business, technology, and people every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. Happy World Usability Day. I just realized oh. when this is released, it will still be World Usability Day in some parts of the world. Oh, well, there we go then. Because it's Good. on the 10th of November. Oh, there we go. 10th of, November, 10th of November, World Usability Day. Always the second Thursday of November. But today, to celebrate... We're bringing you the second episode in our series of interviews from Interact London 2016. And we will be uh, uh, playing interviews with Daniel Harvey and Pamela Pathyshock. And Daniel, he, um, he talked to us about um, chatbots and artificial intelligence and, and how um, in a chat-based or conversational-based world, the words... Um, become the user interface. What um, what kind of future are we heading to where maybe app stores are going to be replaced by bot stores, amongst mm-hmm. other things? I love the title of his talk, which was Conversation is the Command Line of Tomorrow. And I think both you and I actually are, are those types of UXers who are familiar with the command line, perhaps more than others. As you can hear in the interview, mm. when we give some geeky <laughs> examples of command line chaos. <laughs> And Pamela gave a talk about uh, when your internet things know how you feel. So we talked to her about the emotion of these chatbots or the future interfaces that we'll, we'll be having conversations with. What happens when they understand our emotions? Right, we'll start off with Daniel Harvey, who is a creative director, experienced designer, writer, speaker, teacher, mentor. He's one of those people with decades of experience designing brands, campaigns, products, and he's won a fair few awards too. And after Dan, we'll play our interview with Pamela Pavlishok, who is the founder of design research firm Change Sciences, and she collects stories about how people engage with technology. Her work is part ethnography, part data science, part behavioral psychology. Always mind-blowingly excellent to listen to. We're joined now by Daniel Harvey, um, who had um, a presentation this morning um, entitled Conversation is the Command Line of Tomorrow. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So really what I was talking about today was the emergence of things like voice assistants, so something like Alexa uh, as an example, Mm -hmm. Uh, but also um, before we get to that point where we're talking to everything connected to the Internet, uh, the experience that we'll have between now and then, which will be much more around sort of chatbot-style, mm-hmm. text-based conversational experiences. Right, yeah. We um, we actually had a conversation a couple of months ago um, with Stephanie Rigo yeah. um, about um, e-commerce and mm-hmm. the use of chat platforms for e-commerce, especially in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a very interesting conversation. But what, what, we talk, what you talked about today, was, which we'll focus on, yeah, that, that conversational aspect of, of UI. Sure. And, and so I think there's a lot, lot there to unpack. So in 
you know, when a lot of people think about chat apps, they just think about sort of talking to their friends or family mm. on something like mm. Messenger or WhatsApp. Of course, because we're all doing it. Sure. Daily. Uh, every hour. Increasingly so. Mm. So, and not just to our friends and family, but to our colleagues and coworkers as well. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I raised was that uh, data point around how people who use Slack in the enterprise, for example, are mm. using it 10 hours a day during the work week. Mm. Uh, so it's not ten just, hours a day. It's not just for friends. Yeah, it's you gave us some families. crazy numbers there. Yeah, I mean, two hours longer than the normal working mm. day that well, they're using Slack for. That says I, a lot. That, that what that says is largely centered in North America, where the workday is longer <laughs> than ten hours. Mm. Um, that's why I'm here in London now. Um, <laughs> but the um, the the real takeaway is that the the more robust messenger apps are doing much more than just chat. Right, they're facilitating peer to peer payments. They're allowing you to you know, book taxis, book tables at restaurants, and uh, that commerce element is absolutely a, a major component. Mm. So, I mean, it's, um, uh, I think, kind of say, or imply that the, the keyboard is kind of filling that gap then, isn't it, between, the, well, the, mo- the journey towards voice, and we're, we're concentrating now on chat, and it's like transitional. Yeah. But it won't vanish, will it? No, and that, that's, that's what I think is, is interesting about ta- taking it back to the command line, is that, you know, the command line was a sort of dominant form of communication uh, with with interfaces and human-computer interaction from the 1960s to the 1980s mm-hmm. when graphical user interfaces really became commercially available uh, with things like Apple and their Lisa uh, experience. Mm-hmm. But the the real takeaway from that is that the command line interfaces haven't gone away. They're there. Mm-hmm. People still use them all the time. Hackers, they use them. Developers use them. Uh, it's just that it was such a original sort of command line interfaces were required a level of expertise, level of training, degrees, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, uh, a high level of syntax. You exactly. need to learn the commands. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, mm. But once you know them, then you can get a lot of very precise, very powerful mm. interactions out of the machine. Mm. Um, and I think what's interesting about the sort of uh, voice assistants is that the syntax and the grammar a much more sort of natural language, mm. so you don't need that steep learning curve to be able to get precise and powerful mm. functions out of the out of the devices. There's a, yeah, there's, there's there's more affordance built in to, right. um, to the, these these interfaces now compared to the the brutalness of, of command line before, right. where if you put one letter wrong, error syntax or, or, syntax or error. you've destroyed the sh- machine. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I was in a terminal shell once and. Um, uh, broke a line of code that shouldn't have been broken and mm. wiped my computer completely in the process, which is ouch, excellent. Ooh, C colon format. I remember that from <laughs> DOS times. Yeah, when you like jump into you know, the the computer halls in school yeah. and kind of like start d- banging ridiculously mean commands into machines to yeah. kind of screw them up before the lesson starts. So, what does this really mean <laughs> for us as designers, though? Because you mentioned. Uh, uh, stats around WhatsApp and how many are using WhatsApp compared to text messaging, mm-hmm. which are insane numbers as well, like twice. Yeah, as so many. Um, uh, I think it was WhatsApp had um, the usage of WhatsApp dwarfs global usage of SMS. Mm. So people aren't when they're texting, they're mm. texting in WhatsApp. They're not yeah. texting in the yeah. mess in, in the device or the the app that comes mm. with their mm. phone. I think it was it was was it almost two years ago now where WhatsApp overtook SMS yeah. um, for the number of mm. texts that I sent. And it's just, yeah, just 
going like this constantly. I'm, I'm doing hand signal now so <laughs> to display yeah. something for people on podcasts. No, I think the, the curves are just going up and up and up and up. Yeah. yeah. And as designers, you have to think then about, because we're saying that the interface now is more conversational and more natural language. As designers, we have to then anticipate what are people going to be writing and, and saying in these chatbots. Sure. And should I make the user aware that they're talking to a chatbot or not? I recently started using x.ai for booking meetings, yeah, yeah. and it's awesome. It's fantastic. And now I'm not telling people that it's my assist my robot assistant. It's just my assistant. Right. And people don't realize. But will they feel tricked, fooled? So here's mm -hmm. here's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. they, they In that particular scenario, mm -hmm. they might not care about. But mm -hmm. one of the things that the people at x.ai say mm -hmm. is that um, the behavior remains even if people know that it's a bot or not a bot but mm. people are having such dialogues mm. with amy and andrew mm. that they're actually inevitably hitting on amy and andrew <laughs> uh <laughs> and, and uh you know and and so for the people that know it's a bot it's because yeah. they're trying to see what the reaction is yes, and mm, trying course. to have a, mm. yeah, like have a fun story time with um, serial and so on you're always kind of asking mm. tell me a joke yeah. or you're always kind of like pushing it to see what can it cope with? Yeah, and, and, and those, those boundaries are interesting, too, because I think, you know, the reason why chatbots are as, as sort of topical and, and emergent as they are right now is because they're this, basically a Trojan horse for AI, and they're this opportunity to test specific or, or weak AI mm. uh, at scale. And so by having a, a branded conversation or a branded chatbot, uh, like CNN or 1-800-Flowers mm. or whatever, you're narrowly constraining what it is people will ask it. So mm. no one's going to ask 1-800-Flowers bot on Facebook mm. Messenger what the latest football score is. Mm. It mm. wouldn't make sense, right? Mm. Uh, but then to your other point, a lot of these things will have good onboarding baked in mm. to tell you what sort of questions you can ask, what sort of responses you could expect to get back, um, but also just sort of uh, good good emergent practice around that is building in things like kill switches so that you can tell the bot to bugger off mm -hmm. and leave you alone mm. um, but also avoiding sort of rhetorical questions and, and things like that in the, in the conversation well we're going to end up at a situation where it's, it's blended that we, we've got um, AI driven chatbots which sometimes a hand human hand, you know, I was thinking about like, um, custom, I do some work with um, a client um, to do with custom service and chat mm -hmm. operators so people who are dealing with multiple mm -hmm. chats simultaneously from mm -hmm. a custom service point of view and I'm sat there listening to your talk thinking about how, how that's going to evolve and, mm -hmm. and how um, in a lot of situations it will need to be a handover a seamless handover between the human and the, and the AI yeah. and there, there are companies that are already uh, already sort of experimenting with that so you know, we, we know about Google Now and Cortana and mm, mm -hmm. Google's new virtual assistant. Those are all algorithms. They're all AI-type experiences. Mm. Uh, but then you have other services like uh, Magic in the U.S. or Fetch Me mm. here in the U.K. Uh, that are purely human-driven. They're mm. Turks that sort of yeah, will okay. figure out stuff for you and get it to you. Mm. Uh, but uh, there are other avenues that are hybrid experiences, mm -hmm. um, like Facebook M, uh, but also even... Um, some customer service experiences that companies like RBS are pioneering right now. Mm. So. Wow, there's such just a big scale of different types of bots now that you yeah. just have to start categorizing them. Yeah, learn yeah. more about them. Well, and, and you know some of the some of the messenger platforms like Kick and even Skype have their own bot stores built mm. in. Mm. Uh, 
at, at the last fake conference, Zuckerberg was talking about how Facebook was going to launch their bot store, and they've mm-hmm. not done it as big and as splashy as some of these other companies, but mm-hmm. it's there in the Messenger UI, UI and you can mm-hmm. sort of find more uh, slowly but surely. I just, it just took me now that you mentioned um, that we're going to be saying um, goodbye to app stores and hello to bot, um, bot stores, but I was thinking that if there is kind of like one chat platform to rule them all, or we, we converge to a small number of them, then the bot store surely would be a bot in itself, and that I'm just chatting away, and then it says, oh, no, I can hear your question, but this is the kind of, you know, the servant you know, bot that actually would serve you well for this query, and sure. pass you over to a, a bot. Oh, yeah. And th- that's, where, that's where that sort of stronger general AI yeah. comes in. Yeah. So the, the host messenger app would have to have that kind of very high level almost futuristic Sense, ai yeah. baked in to be able mm. to do that mm. um so we're not there yet but down the road who knows mm. Mm. i'm quite excited about that future that like you could just throw out the question there and you'd be you'd be served a bot that would then serve your question more well, specifically and and then that becomes mm. an, that becomes a, a point of consideration for brands right yeah. so mm. which branded bot mm. does messenger or mm. whom whatsapp hand you over to exactly and exactly discoverability and findability and what tone of voice will that bot have because i like that aspect of this that we're peeling away the visual interface now we're going mm. back to text and, and real content mm. uh, where we've previously now been designing stuff and putting the content in afterwards we now just have to work with the content be really good at that yeah and how much and how much do you want your bot to know about you so that it can serve you mm. the correct bot according to your personality traits your kind of what you <laughs> like and don't like about things mm. I mean w- right. we've got we've got a privacy issue about what you want to give up and mm. what learn about you and also branding and mm. well and, and privacy yeah. is actually a, a very important factor in all of this so I think mm. part of the reason why messenger platforms have taken off is because a lot of them are encrypted by default yeah uh, so it's a much more it's a much more intimate place to have a, a conversation with friends and family and mm. whomever uh, than on social media. Mm. Uh, but by the same token, it's, it's fundamentally more secure. Mm. And that's one of the things that you're starting to see a lot of platforms like mm. Messenger for Facebook branching. Mm. So you can have the sort of encrypted version mm. of the Messenger experience. Right. Or you can have the AI-powered, bot-driven mm. version of the experience, and you kind of have to... Decide which way you mm. want to go, mm. uh, because it's very hard to do both. Yeah. You can't be encrypted and then letting third-party servers and, and, exactly. and APIs running into yeah, it because it's, it's not encrypted it's not anymore. End-to-end. Exactly, it's not end-to-end. You've opened the door somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And let someone in. Mm. Now, this is an absolutely fascinating topic. Yes. And, and th- it excites me for the future because mm. we've got so many different, mm. so many different things coming to play with this. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I think for our future as designers, it's it's interesting as well because as particularly as UX designers, we've always had to sort of shape shift and adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, but this means that we have to start thinking much more like writers than perhaps we have exactly. in the past. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. Thanks very much, Daniel. Cheers, Thank guys. You so much. Cheers. That was an excellent keynote uh, this morning, Pamela. Thank you for that. Thanks so much. You were talking. Excited to talk to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a year and a half you since we talked yeah. to you last when yeah. you joined us after mm-hmm. From Business to Buttons, episode 98. Mm-hmm. It was. 
Oh, nice. You can yeah. remember. But then we <laughs> talked to you about, that, that was, um, um, you talked about happiness mm. and your yes. research to mm. do with happiness, mm. which was yeah. fascinating mm. back then. Um, but today, though, um, the y- your talk was around the Internet of Things and, and how the Internet of Things know how you feel. Or maybe the lack of emotional intelligence is what I got out of it, how we get more emotional intelligence into it. But Yeah, well, I think what got me mm. excited about emotion-sensing technology mm. Is I thought, wow, there's a lot of potential here. A lot of my internet things are pretty emotion dumb. They don't have empathy for me. They don't understand what I'm feeling. They don't know when I want to chill out and back off and not be so insistent. Um, I happen to be a really nervous driver when I'm driving someplace new. I would love a setting on GPS that just knew that mm-hmm. and like adjusted to feelings of oh, yeah. anxiety or pressure mm-hmm. things. But once I started delving into it, I thought, well, it's not quite ready yet, but it really makes me think that we need to kind of refresh our practices around emotion and design. And so that's how I got on this topic and on this journey. Yeah, you know, there was quite a few examples in the in the talk about um, <laughs> Internet of Things devices or, or attempts that uh, were trying to dabble their toes, I suppose, into f- trying to uh, lift emotions mm-hmm. into their creations and designs and how it really doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't. I mean, this is kind of the... The problem we we maybe are facing with emotions is it's not so simple. Mm. It's not just about identifying a need and solving a problem. Emotions are complicated. Actions don't always match up to emotions. So Mm. you might think they're connected somehow, and they are, but maybe not in the most straightforward ways. We may want to understand our emotions, but we might not want to understand them in a particular Mm. way we Mm. might not want recommendations on it so it's a very tricky balance and right now most of the work is really kind of speculative to get us to think through what are the implications of adding this kind of emotional element to our things and and people just go ahead and you had the several examples where kind of went wrong like with the you gamify emotion when you have that ring where you give someone a hug mm. and you can actually c- get a score <laughs> potentially yeah. 49 ra- uh, yeah. 49 rated hug and and yeah. Like, yeah. can we hug better next time and yeah. is this what we want <laughs> is this what we're after do we want uh, more numbers more stats about our emotions do we want the, the devices to talk more emotionally to us or recognize our emotions like you were saying about your GPS yeah. what do we really want from them Yeah, it's very complicated, and I think it's going to take a lot of experimentation and a lot of thinking it through. Um, I feel hopeful Mm -hmm. that the design community were were kind of the right people to start to think about this because we've taken really hard things over the past decade, I'd say, and figured out new ways to learn about it, new ways to design for it, new ways to understand it. And I worry if emotion becomes a technical solution that (laughs) we're going to lose some of the things that we've already learned Mm -hmm. and that have already kind of made it, um, made 
some of our things work very well. Mm. So I guess on the flip side of that, though, a lot of technology right now is making people feel really miserable. They feel distracted. They feel disengaged from mm. each other. Overwhelmed. They overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm researching happiness, people are just baffled because mm. they can't think about technology and happiness in the same um, you know, in the same sentence. They oh, don't belong together yeah. in their mind. And, and to me, that's kind of horrifying because yeah. I got into this mm. in a very optimistic way. It sounds like the whole UX community failed then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that makes me feel oh, terrible. Yeah. And then when you sort of think through delight and you're like, okay, well, delight is actually um, this very temporary, very surface um, way to to bring in emotion and it might mm. not even be emotion it mm. might just be like just like the Pillsbury Doughboy or Tony the Tiger you mm. know yeah. <laughs> like giving this kind of very um, limited veneer mm -hmm. of emotion to our designs and when people are having really strong reactions to technology mm. and so I think that's that's worth exploring and thinking through we're going to have to because we're going to be prompted to mm. think that through Another thing I started thinking about during during your talk was the was a way that when we when we dive deeper into to emotional design or emotional devi devices that are emotionally aware and and inter interacting with us in a way that um, replaces maybe so so I'm worried that it's going to dumb us down in a way that we're yeah. we're heading towards a situation where we're designing something that maybe we're, would enhance yeah. our understanding. But actually, it's it's replacing it, so maybe hindering our development of something. I think you, what made me think about was the cry. Yeah. Wasn't the cry cry interpretation yes. baby monitor? That's yeah. what made me start to think about that. Mm. What do we want this, a place where? Do we really need that? No. Right? Exactly. When you're a parent, you develop, mm. you tune in to the cues of your child. You don't necessarily want a device interpreting that for you or some of the implications of that are like, oh, th those are just happy cries. They're just waking up. You still mm. have 10 minutes to look at cat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> gifts on the Internet <laughs> while yeah. your baby's futzing around in the crib. Mm. That's disturbing, right? Or thinking about, um, I talked a lot about Crystal <coughs> and how I've been trying that out and having oh, people try it out. Profiler. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it helps you to craft emails that maybe are more resonant with people. And I've been using it very reflectively to s think about how do I communicate with other people? But we can get to a point where it's like, who sent me that email? Is it a bot yeah. or is it a human being? Mm. I mean, right now we have enough problems with email as it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to introduce that layer to it is really troubling, mm. I think. And so it's, it's one of those frustrating talks probably because there's a lot of thought-provoking things. I don't know if we have the answers to it. I think we have some right directions to mm. go in, which is to think and embrace the messy complexity of mm. emotions and to not try to solve it or shy away from it or always make people happy or create journeys that are always starting at a low and ending at a high kind of thing. Um, and I think the ethics is just so critical around Yeah, ethics is a really clear <laughs> part of this. <laughs> and I think all three talks this morning actually touched on ethics. Yeah. But that's so you can't avoid ethics when you get into mm. the emotional side of, of, of design mm. and, and mm. artificial intelligence. We can't get away from the ethics. Right, and it's such, such a difficult topic because 
I'm trying to understand. So who gets to decide what is ethical? Because mm. that's it's not just a feeling inside me. It's something else. It's something that we have to wow, that's agree on. Yeah, and that's mm. the the really troubling thing. I think when it comes to emotion, ethics becomes such a huge thing because you're feeling it in your body. Mm. It's part of you. It's your soul. It's how you relate to other people. It almost has this kind of. Um, it's really it's close it's and personal. physical mm. aspect to it, but mm. also kind of a spiritual aspect to it. And those are things like two things that we're just not used to mm. dealing with in technology. And so then the ethics come even more to the fore. But to your point, it's whose ethics and when and how can we develop that to be thoughtful and respectful mm without prescriptive right because yeah. that's that's kind of the disturbing aspect of behavioral design which mm. has taken such hold is because there's yes. a paternalistic tone to mm. the nudging right mm -hmm. oh we want to nudge people in this positive direction right because we know what's good for them because we know <laughs> what's we know good best. for them <laughs> and we know best yeah. and that mm. i think mm can have the opposite effect mm -hmm. because once people get onto that, they'll be like, no, I'm just going to resist mm -hmm. <laughs> because I don't want to be nudged in mm. that direction. Mm. Exactly. Um, the, more aware of, the more aware that people become of how easily manipulated we are, and we know that. Yeah. Most, a lot of us know the, the little psychology tricks and things here yeah. and there to get people to do well, that's to nudge been such them. a fascination well. in these past couple mm. years with that. And it makes me really sad because I feel like we're reducing human yeah. potential by saying, you know what, we are all easily duped. And if you know these mm. 10 tricks, well, you can succeed too. I think that doesn't give us enough credit. But as you say, like, at the same time, it works, and you can monetize that. And so mm. there's a lot of pressure from that end, and that's why it's been widely mm. adopted, I Not think. just monetize, we can actually do a lot of good from, from some of absolutely. this nudging. We're seeing nudging on, a, on government levels of as course, well. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, yeah, the, the, oh, the whole, the whole, Emotional side, then I, I, I have I have less of a problem, of course, and tied in what we said. I have less of a problem when we're looking at the bigger picture of emotion and how we'd use that data or information. Mm -hmm. But when it does get down to individual kind of control, oh, a personal level, then it is yeah. personal. It is my emotions, and you get scratching my skin. It's yeah. my surface. It's yeah. me. Well, but even on that larger level, I mean, considering all the, I don't know if it's even missteps. It goes beyond that. All of the the problems with algorithmic decision-making mm. that have come to the fore and how bias is deeply embedded mm -hmm. in the algorithms and in the data we decide to collect and use to feed those algorithms that with emotion at scale, we're going to get into that territory um, very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a fear as well. I mean, to be upfront too, I think there's a lot of patents around this emotion sensing technology, and they are all, almost all, in advertising. Mm. Right. So yeah. it's not a pretty picture <laughs> when we think about mm. that. Yeah, it's dragging us down a particular path. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like uh, we as designers then must. We need to experiment more. We need to talk more about it because there's lots of work to be done here and we need to prepare for it. Absolutely. Mm. And draw mm. from some 
different inspiration and traditions. I think speculative design can help us. I think um, therapy, as we were talking about um, earlier mm, with mm. cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. or other kinds of therapy, maybe can give us some new techniques to mm. work with and to learn about this and not flatten it out and oversimplify it. Right. Thanks very much for joining us, Pam. It's been an interesting Thank little you. conversation. Thank you. Thank you. So when I was listening back to Daniel now, I was sort of thinking, because uh, he was referencing the command line interface of the 60s mm. and 80s, or 60s to 80s. And so we've had these graphical user interfaces for so long now, and I realized they have been helping people feel more comfortable with machines as assistants. But now that we have that relationship with machines and everybody is really comfortable with them, we can actually move back to command line interfaces which presumably will allow us to interact in a better way or in a more natural way with these machines. Yeah, because like we, we said in the interview about how um, you need, the command line needs a really high degree of syntax. Mm-hmm. It's something that you have to be exactly right uh, in most cases or many cases. Whereas um, with voice assistants, you have a, a syntax that's natural grammar, so it lowers the entry, it lowers the barrier to entry and makes it easier to use. And uh, I think I said that it builds in a degree of affordance mm-hmm. that you don't need to get the, the the syntax spot on to use it. Your grammar doesn't have to be exact. You don't have to ask something in a specific way um, to get oh, these these voice assistants to do what you need. Um, exactly. So yeah. So I th- so I think it, it it does it's a step towards that zero interface of of um, of, of not needing certain um, user interfaces. Like uh, words words become the user interface. Exactly. And, and go and thinking beyond that. Now I'm thinking that humanoids are the natural next step. People do not feel comfortable with humanoids. You wouldn't want to speak to a robot that looks like a human sitting in front of you. But this is exactly, exactly what we're doing now is we're adapting to talking to humanoids because we're talking just to machines, not expecting them to look like humans. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of yeah, interesting aspect that we're, we're comfortable hiding behind a chat conversation, mm. but maybe less comfortable with dealing with an object that's trying to right. be human-like. So give us 10 to 15 um, years now talking to chatbots and AIs, and then we can bring in the humanoids. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting that, we, interesting that we mentioned in the interview as well about how um, some people's behavior doesn't change so much when they're dealing with bots. Mm. We, we pose the question about whether you should reveal that it's a bot or whether it's mm. a person. And you know, behavior doesn't change, your attitude doesn't change so much when you have the two. Um, and I, I love also the fact that we always, no matter, no matter how many times we've we've had um, conversation-based interfaces uh, or bots, or if you want to call them, um, we always we always push them. We always try to kind of trip them up or test their limits. Mm. Um, it reminds me about the first time I, I saw Amazon's um, Alexa um, a year and a half ago. I was in America and with a family, and it was four kids all crowded, you know, in the room around this um, this Alexa device and. You know, testing it, giving instructions, finding out what it will do, and then, then of course, it rapidly becomes a becomes pushing boundaries, and they start using mild swear words or kind of saying <laughs> things like "poo," you know, "poo," and, and seeing whether yeah. whether Alexa's going to going to tell them yeah. off. You know, yeah. where's where's the limit of what you can tell this little thing to do? Um, you know, we're always gaming these these interfaces, and I think that's it's playful and it's natural and it's fun. Um, and makes makes an interesting aspect um, of all this for for us who are designing these worlds, yeah. these these words. I said words. I meant words. I meant worlds and words. <laughs> 
Yeah, it does really make it playful. And, and so that makes it not so difficult to interact with that computer. And imagine all that data that, that the companies get back. Because back in the day when you were designing artificial intelligence, you're trying to think about, well, so what types of questions would people ask? But now you can put it out there and you have millions and millions of people asking stupid questions and you get that data and you can improve all the time. So it's just improving exponentially. So it really is, I mean, Daniel said about uh, this being a Trojan horse for AI. And I'm realizing that mm. that's exactly it. We're, we're just introducing AI in, in, this, in this way. Yeah. Well, then, then I think this um, brings us on to um, Pamela and, and um, what she was talking to us about um, with the emotional aspect of um, interfacing with, um, with, with devices, creations, bots, anything you mm. like. Um, and and the, the challenges that lifts up for us. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, w one thing that she said is we are reducing human potential, uh, which mm. I thought was really interesting because if we use these 10 tricks, we can nudge people into doing something that we want to do. So in designing yeah. these chatbots or these AIs that we'll, we will interact with, that will perform tasks for us, what will they do to nudge us or influence us or manipulate us even into performing certain tasks or certain or change our behavior to do something else? Be it a governmental chatbot or a, or, or a corporate chatbot, how will it be, desi be designed to respond to my emotion? And there's so many ethical things to consider here. It's, it's also the, the other aspect I was thinking about just now. Um, you've got the whole kind of like pitchfork, um, you know, riots about the whole thing that you could you could quite easily whip up a storm around um, these kind of nudging aspects mm -hmm. um, and get people really, really up in arms about certain things, even when it's not true. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we're seeing in the presidential election in the U.S. <laughs> Ex exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's really scary. So, I mean, is that the future that we want to bring to the table? Is that, I mean, how will... It, it, I mean, it's, it's real. Can't, you actually, when we were talking about this before, you said, can we even do it? Can we as humans be trusted with designing artificial intelligence that will treat humans in a better way? I'm not even sure it's a matter of trust, mm. Pag. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm questioning our, our actual ability. Are, are, we, are we clever mm. enough? To, or are we capable enough to, to deal with the, the things that are at play here? I mean, you've, uh, we talked about in the interview, um, we've, we've got um, the, the problems of algorithmic decision-making mm -hmm. and, and, and how our deep-rooted biases um, affect um, the way that we design. And adding the emotional layer of data on top of all this and nudging and, and, the, and the psychological power that some of these designs can, can, can well, come mm -hmm. with... Um, I, I really, I'm really not convinced that that we have that kind of Spock light, Spock like ability to detach ourselves from biases and and emotion mm. at the same time as as understanding the emotion and dealing with emotion and and creating something that is is genuinely good and useful. Ooh, that's ooh, that's yeah, it's a whole uh, episode by itself. But that's the thoughts that brings to well, my mind. I mean, it's really scary. We want we want to listen more to individuals, but instead we're nudging them to do things. So we're actually bringing more stuff for them to think about and and respond to and uh, have in their lives. But in, in, mm. but really, we should be taking away more things. Yeah, uh, and, and as well, I think I think again back to our chat we had with Andy Goodman um, about um, zero UI. 
Um, I think that's over a year ago now. Um, and and one conversation we had during that chat was about um, um, it was context and and with with AI and and with with understanding our our commands and so on is is how do you understand whether you should listen to me or whether you should listen to my kids or whether you should listen to my partner mm. and what if me and my partner are having an argument and I kind of shout out you know Siri delete all the photos that feature my wife. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah! Should, should, should it take sides? Should, should it take sides? Should it do what I say? Should it should it kind of like please me do it and then and then maybe actually not really delete it and say you know when I'm in the cold light of day and I'm regretting what I've said to mm. her to do and I've all you know everyone's hugged and made up you know, okay here's your pictures mm. back James you didn't really want to delete them so I didn't do it uh, it's it's um oh no there's there's so much here uh, can't we go back can't we go back to designing little drop downs and buttons <laughs> technology is evil. <laughs> Oh wait, no, we can't. We can't finish on that kind of. Dis- you know, no, but there, I mean, I think we note. we need to. I mean, we need to realize that we need to start having these conversations more openly. Uh, th- those of us who are makers, who are designers, who who will be designing the future, that is our responsibility to have ourselves and each others in check, thinking about these mm. things. And we need to mm. keep talking about it. That's. I think that's my message. Mm-hmm. I think yes, the, the the ethics yet again is coming up as 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 the crucial aspect of our jobs and our work going forward i mean you've got you've got the um the ethics of 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 um of law um practicing law i mean there's, there's a very deep-rooted ethics involved with practicing law and becoming mm-hmm. a lawyer and, and a judge and so on um this to me is is signaling even more about how we do as well need to have that kind of ethical um not not brotherhood what's the word for it the kind of ethical framework yeah. um <laughs> that we can we can rely on and follow yeah. um because you know when you combine when you kind of add in business marketing um nudging um you know influencing people dealing with 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 family constructs and situations and uh, emergency situations everything there's there's a whole lot of things here that um i don't want us to end up with skynet i want us to end up with something a bit more um oh utopian well the possibilities are endless but there are multiple futures ahead and we just have to choose the one that we prefer we have to design the one we prefer good one um you can if you aren't already a subscriber then you can um, please go ahead and subscribe to us on itunes google play music soundcloud just anywhere you fancy subscribing to subscribing to us just search for us you'll find us show notes and episode archive are at uxrpodcast.com thank you for lending us your ears Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.